Welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic podcast. It is football and random three, random things. Football and Stranger Things. Football and random things. Coming to you in the Carl Chevrolet Studios, part three of three position previews. Right now at Carl Chevrolet, it's find your freedom sales event for the entire month of July. Want to get a new car, Jeff? Uh, I still got, uh, I still really enjoy my Colorado. I need to get a new one. Speaking of your clay, you can get over $4,500 off the Colorados on their lot. Do it. Or you can get a new Equinox, over 193 available with great financing plus cash when, G- when financed with GM Financial. You get a Silverado LT crew cab for up to 15% off or $0 down for 72 months. And they have over 116 available. Uh, the brand new Traverse, over $4,300 off for current GM owners and over 73 available. And then, of course, the all-new Chevy Blazer with $2,000 off and over 15 available on their lot right now with more arriving each and every day. My, uh, another plug for, for Carl's. My, uh, my Colorado, I officially popped its towing cherry. Hadn't done that at all. Why'd you have to tow it? Because uh, we used a trailer for Summerfest for the gym, the mm-hmm. Summerfest Parade. And uh, the person we... Oh, you mean you were towing something towing with it? Something okay, with I thought it. you were saying you had to get the car towed. I was like, wait, no. so what happened to... No, no. Nope, I was towing something with it. So, okay. So uh, normally Makes I get more sense. about 21 miles a gallon in the Colorado. And then I was like, you know what? I have to tow this. There's a trailer. It has to go back down to Winterset because my friend is the one that let us use it. He lives down there. And so I towed the trailer down to Winterset. I still got 16 and a half to the gallon towing a trailer with my Colorado all the way down to Winterset for, what, what was that, 40 miles? 30 miles? I don't know. North side of Ankeny? Yeah. Anyway, it's a solid vehicle. If you're debating on getting a truck or like an SUV and you don't have like a real need for an SUV, Colorado's a solid choice at Carl Chevrolet. You know, I have a question about Summerfest. What's that? Why is it when I get drunk and shoot off fireworks at 11 o'clock at night on a Sunday, it's disturbing the peace, but then when they do it, they can slap a fancy name on it and monetize it because they're called permits did you get a permit for you getting drunk and shooting off fireworks on a sunday why would i do that because <laughs> that's when people know it's coming this is can i take this from a slightly different direction which is a little bit less fun and a little bit more serious um the debate between like should i, I don't shoot, actually shoot fireworks shoot on off, Sundays. but i mean like people like yeah. shooting, shooting off fireworks um, it's fun and it's cool to shoot off fireworks too. But if you have, if you don't know your neighborhood at all, like please go introduce yourself to your neighbors because if you have any veterans that have served during actual wartime, that's one of the most traumatic things that can exist because they don't know that's going off. So I've uh, friends of mine again, so working with Valorfit, friends of mine um, that have served in the military and they go to a fireworks show, they're okay if they know it's coming and they can see that fireworks are there. It's when one goes off that they don't hear, they don't anticipate it's 11:30 on a Tuesday and someone shoots off a firework in their backyard they don't have the difference their reaction with having seen what they've seen or felt what they felt that comes off like a bomb so this is like a more of a PSA if you want to shoot off fireworks cool but just introduce yourself to your neighbors so people know and you can have respect for the soldiers that actually served and know that those fireworks are actually representations of the thing that they were fighting for. Don't scare the shit out of them with them. So just, if you're gonna shoot off fireworks, introduce, introduce yourself to your neighbors. Don't be a jackass, because that's really, that's a very uh, stressful thing for soldiers to go through, to have that happen again. So to take that, just one little PSA. 
please don't be a jackass. I, just, I want to reiterate, I wasn't. I was just kidding. I realized Yeah, this. I was just kidding. But this is just as a, as a, a moment to have yeah. that actually happen. Because that's uh, like dogs. You know, oh, my dog doesn't like that. It's a dog. Like, fine. You, he'll, he'll live. He'll forget about it in 30, 30 minutes. But like having a soldier have like a traumatic stress throwback to being in, you know, Baghdad. Like, let's not do that to them if you can. It really is crazy. Just like in the last three years, once they, since they started uh, allowing the sale of them here, how many more you just hear at random times? Yeah. And where again, you're like, why are you still shooting off fireworks? It's a Thursday night, Bill. Yeah. And like, that's again, like, cool. If you're gonna- and I imagine that Bill has had probably about 20 beers and just was like, he has, he, 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 he forgot has, when he has one in the back of the garage. He has a buddy over and he's like, Hey, Hey Dan. Want to see something funny? We got some. We got something in the back of the. I garage. got some black cats back here. I'm just gonna go shoot a couple off. Yeah, like if you're again, if you're gonna do that, like freedom, go for it. America, whatever. Woo! On tell the. But just tell just, tell the five zero roll up and uh, with the flashing lights. Yeah, cherries and berries, man. But yeah, just introduce yourself to your neighbors. Like know know who the people are gonna be affected by you doing that. You know, again, I, I don't have kids, but I would assume a firework at eleven o'clock isn't great for children sleeping. But more so than just children sleeping and getting crying, like. Let's just respect the again the, the person the service personnel that don't see fireworks as fireworks they see fireworks as a flashback to you know Fallujah like that kind of thing. Really, it's just like completely unnecessary. Yeah. If it's not the Fourth of July. Yeah. But that's just my personal opinion. Anyway, that's a more serious detour than what was normally going to be taken. So let's talk about football. Oh yeah, and if you want Cycle Fanatic merch, TeamCloset.com/slash/CycleFanatic. All kinds of new stuff on there right now. Check that out. Yeah, let's talk about football. Uh, quarterbacks and running backs. Uh, and then we'll talk about the defensive backfield. I think just in general, too, with football, like, you know how they... Uh, you know who's going to be making some fireworks this year? Ah. Brock Purdy <laughs> throwing some touchdowns. Ah, that's a, that's <laughs> yeah, a good transition yeah, there. Yeah, that's a good transition yeah, yeah. there. As, uh, I feel like like I'm, I'm going through withdrawal symptoms now of football where, like, I think Iowa State football is, is pretty, like, on Instagram is, like, recognizing, like, if you throw clips up there, like, addicts like me are going to scroll through and be like, ooh, <laughs> look, it's Hakeem Butler doing stuff. This is fun. So you're, hey, uh, hey, y'all got any more of them clips? You, uh, y'all, y'all got any more of that football? You, uh, you got a video of Dave Montgomery stiff arm or somebody? Like, I, I mean, I, I could use some right now. Or like Barry Sanders' birthday was. Oh, you're just like rubbing your arms. You're like, hey, scratching uh, my neck. Like, hey, y'all, uh, y'all got any more of that uh, that David Montgomery uh, touchdown against Iowa? Uh, you know when uh, when like, you know like Jaquan Bailey like hit somebody really hard. Like you got one of those. <laughs> I mean, if you want some, I got some. But like, and there was also like Barry Sanders' birthday yesterday. Or, uh, so we're we're recording this uh, the week of the 17th, and so it was his birthday this week. And so like just scrolling through and like seeing Barry Sanders clips, like of just open field Barry Sanders moves, uh-huh. which are just the dirtiest. I think, for my money, greatest running back of all time, Barry Sanders. Yeah. I also wasn't old enough to, to watch Sweetness in his actual prime, so I, I, can, I can see that argument, but like of the running backs that I've been conscious and able to watch and understand, like Barry Sanders is, for my money, the greatest. I'd say that, and then historically, just looking back, like Gale Sayers, Sweetness, Jim Brown, Barry Sanders. I don't know, man. Toby Gerhardt was pretty ridiculous in his prime. <laughs> so are you t- you're just trying to, you're trying to sass the white running back brotherhood here? Well, I was just trying to think of the most ridiculous running back I could, really. And besides the one sitting in front of me, that Toby Gerhardt was the next, next closest. <laughs> white running back brotherhood, man. Do you remember, uh, what was Keep his name? Uh, 
Zach Zinowek. I think that was his name from uh, Penn State. I thought it was the big Z- Zane. Was it Zane? So, I don't remember. Yeah, Zinowek yeah. was like his name, though. Mm-hmm. The big white dude that they had that ran for like 1,500 yards one year. Yeah. He was quick. Yeah, that was that one year that uh, that they were actually pretty good with mm-hmm. Bill O'Brien. He was quick. They had like no scholarship players, so they had this like random dude that they pulled off the street playing running back, and he was actually pretty good. Is this, you say he's a random dude they pulled off the street because uh, he doesn't go out in the sun very often? Yes. Yeah. He was no Saquon Barkley. Let's That's put it that way. Not many people are. Or Miles Sanders. Not many people are Saquon Barkley. Only Saqu- Saquon Barkley is Saquon, Saquon Barkley. Barclays. Yeah. He's real. He's real good. He is real good. He's yeah. Real good. What did it? I wonder what his Madden rating. Madden rating. I think he was only being. 91. Only. Only. You know who's gonna have? I think a really good year this year, like a rebound year, is David Johnson, because the offense is gonna be much more suited to his skill set. Yeah, catching the ball and stuff. Yeah, because Cliff is innovative. And they have now three really good wide receivers and a quarterback that can run. I'm pumped for watching the Cardinals and the Browns. When was the last time you said that? Like, the Cardinals and the Browns are two of the bigger draws in the NFL. Never. Never said that. I don't think anybody – yeah. Especially not at the same time. Like, the Cardinals, when Kurt Warner was there and they were really good, you're like, oh – I want to watch the Cardinals, you know, Kurt Warner and Larry Fitzgerald and you can watch those. Anquan Bolden. Anquan Bolden. Watch them play and then the Browns were with Brady Quinn at the time. Yeah. And they were not good. And then the, the years in the, the mid-90s before the Ravens stole the Browns and the Browns were good. And like Bernie Kosar and like they're actually, they're actually good. In the 80s? In the 80s, excuse yeah. me, the 80s, not the 90s. And so they're actually good and the Cardinals didn't exist yet. Man, just think if... Uh well, the Cardinals did exist. They were St. Louis Cardinals, weren't they? Yeah, they don't think, I think they became the Arizona Cardinals in the 80s or something. Uh, just think, man, you and David Johnson could have been teammates if they'd been able to spell his name I correctly would, on the mail. I would have been playing fullback then. <laughs> like I said, if they just could have spelled his name correctly on his mail. David Johnston. Whoops, that's an oversight. Yeah, whoops. <laughs> whoops. Sorry. One of the top five running backs in the NFL. You spelled Whoopsies. his name wrong. Whoopsie daisies. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go out on the limb and say that was not the only time that they ever made a mistake like that. Probably not. It just might be the biggest. Didn't want to recruit Chase Allen. What? Yeah, Chase Allen came on a visit here, and they decided not to offer him. Why? Well, not, or maybe he came to a camp or something. He didn't like him. At the camp. Whoops. He, he liked Cliff Fernandez better. Really? Well, I mean, that's who they took in that class at the tight end position, so I would assume so. Anyway, quarterbacks. Quarterbacks. And running backs. And running backs. Let's start with the quarterback. Knock that one out real quick. Um, we've talked about this a lot. Brock Purdy's going to start. Yeah, Brock Purdy will be the starter. And there is a lot of question on who, the, who is going to do something else if he needs to not Real Mitchell is listed as the number two. Yep. And then Easton Dean is not listed at all. Um, yeah. But, but Brock Purdy also probably wasn't listed on the right initial two deep last year. Um, I would assume all things go well. Let's, again, knock on wood. Their plan would be to have Purdy play all the snaps in competitive game situations, and then Real Mitchell comes in in the situations where they are down or they are up by a significant number. Uh, or they want to give some type of alternative look, then Rayal Mitchell comes in, but mm-hmm. Purdy's going to take the majority of the snaps. If something were to happen and Brock Purdy uh, decides to convert to being a Mormon and go do a mission and somebody needs to fill in for him, then 
I don't know if that falls down to Rayel Mitchell or again Easton Dean because I think Mitchell is um, he he's not the same quarterback by any stretch that Purdy is. Let's take all skill sets the same. Rayel Mitchell is freaking fast. That dude has like the the correlate to me is like if is as far as a, a quickness thing is like Kyler Murray, where from one one point he's standing. The next point, he's sprinting, and you took one step, and he's between standing and sprinting. But he does not read and throw or have the same, near the same mechanics that Kyler Murray does in the pocket. And so the, where Rayal Mitchell's offense would come from would be in scrambling and running and making something happen from that because he's really not that good in the pocket. Um, where Brock Purdy is going to need to spend most of his time in the pocket and scramble when he has to. Like, Aaron, again, the Aaron Rodgers, Baker Mayfield model, where most of the damage you're going to do, that's, those are the guys that he would really, if Brock's, the peak of Brock's game is in the style of Baker and Rodgers, where they do most of their damage from the pocket, and when they have to, they'll get outside the pocket and they're really good throwing on the run, but need to not make that the predominant Mm-hmm. way they're going to get offense. And right now, a lot of, t- at least not right, I can't, I don't know. But like in the last year, Purdy a lot of times would get too quick out of the pocket and s- unsettle himself when he didn't need to unsettle himself and turn more into a scrambler and a runner and less into a pocket passer who can run. So that's, yeah, you, you don't need to be, um, you know, Lamar Jackson, like that kind of thing where you're running 70% of your snaps and just throwing on 50% of them and you know that that offset of 20% being a run and throw right so you need to not do that be a pocket passer that can also throw or that can also run so uh, Rayal Mitchell again to, to to bring this back is not that guy he's his mechanics are still pretty questionable um, and if they were to again let's say you know you know Purdy gets he goes in the area 51 raid and gets taken up to the, the mothership by the aliens. And they're... At that point, I would hope that Coach Campbell would kick him off the team. Yep. Because if you're stupid enough to uh, try and attempt that, then I don't think you deserve to play football at Iowa State. Yeah, I don't know what his... I don't know. He's from Arizona. He's trying to just try to see what his homeland's down in the desert is doing. Is that in New Mexico? It is, but I just love it in the same state. Oh. It's the same. It's the same thing. It's just one big desert and Phoenix. But anyway, um, if they were to have to wholesale substitute, they'd either have to change the offense yeah. or put in, again, like Easton Dean to continue the offense running as it normally is. Because Dean, he can run a little bit, to my knowledge, but he is much more of a true pocket passer. He's a much more of a distributor. So, I don't know. The, the backup quarterback is the one that has more questions to me than the starter. But if we are talking about the starter... That is, we talked about in the last episode how the defense, I have very little question the defense is going to be really good. Yeah. It's the offense that I have some question on, and that question comes from consistency in one running back, or the offensive line moving, giving the running backs enough space to actually get some, some mm-hmm. running room, and two, Purdy's ability to stay comfortable in situations and not start getting happy feet and dance or, and start running before he needs to. Yeah. So that's, those are the questions on offense to me. Are the offensive line consistency, and then can Purdy be a distributor of the ball and not need to be the focal point of the offense? Just, hey, we've got Ray Mitchell. We've got Deshante Jones. We have these three big tight ends. We have these 17 running backs that I can get the ball to. Let's, th- let's let them do the work, and I'm not going to need to be the one that does the work. Yeah, I think that he's uh, – I think he's going to have a, 
big year. Brock? Yeah. He, he, he doesn't need to have a huge year. Um, I mean, at least by the historical right. Iowa State football standards. He what threw I, 16 touchdowns in uh, nine games. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, nine but, games last year. He only needed to throw four more to break the single-season touchdown record. But, so. but what I mean by this is he doesn't need to have an, oh, my God, did you see what Purdy did? Oh, yeah. He doesn't need to do that. It's, oh, my God, did you see what Milton did? Like, that's if he's doing a good job, you have 20 of those a game where you're getting it to a guy that is stupid good at football and letting them be stupid good at running the ball. Like, again, I think at, whenever we talk about the quarterbacks, I went to a practice one time and Sage was there. And one of the things that Sage said, and granted, Sage is less fleet afoot than Purdy was, but he goes, if I look at me and I look at, you know, where, whoever he's talking about, he's like, I think he used Tariq Milton as an example. He goes, if I look at me and I look at Tariq Milton, who do I want carrying the ball? Not me, him. Yeah. And so I want to get it to him as quick as I can with as much space as I can and let him do it. And that's, I think, if Purdy can successfully do that, because I think that's his mindset. I would say I think that is Brock's mindset. It's though. his mindset. It's now he's, got, he's a lot more kempt in that more, in that sense, but he's exponentially more talented. Right. And so if he can do that, of just get it to your playmakers quickly, just and just on rhythm, is it's a three-step drop. It's one, two, three, balls out. Yeah. Or it's five-step drop with a hitch, like one, two, three, four, five, hitch, balls out. It's not one, two, three, four, five, hitch, 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 scramble, scramble, hitch, hitch, balls out. Like that kind of thing becomes street ball which is fine, and he's good at that. And again, to, to use the Rodgers and Mayfield analogy, is when you're really good at that, then that becomes a, a weapon that you can use. But if that becomes the only weapon that you can use, then that becomes you're the boxer that only throws haymakers. Like, it's great when you can throw a, you know, that overhand right to knock somebody out, but if the only thing you throw is overhand rights, eventually the guy's going to figure out how to stop that. that the, okay, let me just miss this, and I'm going to be fine. And so, again, if he can be comfortable in the pocket, on rhythm, on target, on accurate, with mechanics, he's going to be solid. That offense is going to move really, really well. It's just a matter of can he settle down to be a distributor and not need to be, again, don't try and make a home run at every single play. It's just get it to Chase Allen for a seven-yard hitch because he bodied somebody up. Perfect. One, two, three, bodied somebody up, throw it away from him, let him catch tackle at second and three. Like that kind of stuff. Just do that consistently all the way down the field. See, and I think the other thing too is that it, his ability to, to move and scramble makes me feel better about the offensive line. Whereas when you had guys like Kyle Kempter, if it was Zeb Noland, where it's like, man, they're going to stand there and they are going to try to throw the football. And that is about all that they are going to do. Yeah, and I think that's why they were the sack part of the reason why sack numbers were pretty low last year. But again, the quarterback. So okay, so as a running back, I'm going to speak from a running back perspective and throw this back to being a quarterback. As a running back, especially in a something, let's let, even let's take like the simple play like power. Like everyone who's ever played offensive football since 1985 has run power, some version of power. Guard pulls in front, kicks out a defensive end or whoever's on the line of scrimmage. Fullback or a tight end leads up and hits a linebacker in front of you. Your job as a runner is to see what the blocks do and react to it. But in addition to seeing what they do, if you take your track correctly, I'm going to deliver, so I'm going to stay on this fullback. I'm going to stay on his outside hip because that means the linebacker is going to puncture, try and puncture that guy's outside hip, the one mm -hmm. that I'm on. As soon as that guy triggers, once he triggers, then I step because then the block has happened. I have helped set that block up by my tempo, by my steps, by my path. 
I, as a running back, had nothing to do with actually hitting that blocker, but I influenced that blocker and reacted appropriately. If that, if, if I, that, that runner, you know, that puller, excuse me, is out in front of me and I sit on his inside hip and I'm back three yards, then the linebacker is gonna puncture inside of that and deliver the linebacker right to my face. The guard didn't do anything differently between situation one that I described and situation two that I described. I did. And so the guard didn't miss a block specifically. I set him up for failure. Take this back to a quarterback. If there is pressure, let's again, so defensive or offensive tackle and defensive end, that's the, the battle we're looking at. Interior pressure is a lot different because you do have to scramble at that point. That's why a guy like Jamal Johnson is really valuable to Iowa State because interior pressure is different. But exterior pressure, whether it's a blitzer or a defensive end, Say we have, you know, Julian Good-Jones kick steps against the defensive end. That defensive end starts to climb, gets past Julian Good-Jones, but he's nine yards in the backfield. He's running more or less scot-free, but Good-Jones has, he hasn't turned and ran like to try and like, look out, but he's gotten at least a containment angle. The great thing that a quarterback can do, and when you're talking about like the ability to scramble makes me a lot more comfortable, Tom Brady is slow as shit. But Tom Brady never gets sacked because working inside of this pocket means you have to move three feet and you're completely clear of this because in this situation, the defensive end runs way up the field. Good Jones tries to, it's just going to stay in enough of him. If you're a quarterback, just move a foot forward and a foot to the left and then Good Jones is going to run behind you. That guy cannot get to you now because Julian is still fighting to, to protect you. In fairness, that's also the New England Patriots and not Iowa State, though. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah. New England, they may be really good, but Brady's been there for 18 years. You think one of those offensive linemen or one of those offensive lines has been worse or better than the other ones? Yet oh, yeah. Tom Brady still doesn't get sacked. Yeah, no, but I'm just saying it's like it. this is a, a middling to hopefully above average offensive line compared to. But I think they pass protect okay. A multiple times like, Super Bowl champion. But again, the, the, the point is, is if there is a free rusher, yeah. you don't need to bail. And when I, so the, the Rogers Mayfield comparison is the reason why those guys are so good is because they very rarely leave the pocket until they have to. When you have to is when you have interior pressure or like your tackle gets whooped. He, like he gets bull rushed to his back and there's nothing else you can do. And at that point you have to scramble and get the hell out of there. But if you're gonna, if the tackle gets beat up top, just step forward, step towards where that guy just vacated. And you have this nice, comfortable open space with four yards around you because the D end just ran by you. You don't need to then leave the pocket. You can still stay on your timing and stay on your mechanics. Purdy in the past in that situation has seen guy come by me there's this nice, comfortable space. That, again, the Tom Brady step forward, step right where he is. That comfortable space, a lot of times he's just seen pressure and gone, run. To not do that is to continue success with an offense. And so that's, again, why Mayfield and Rodgers, those, those are the two guys. Russell Wilson's another guy. I think Wilson's probably a better runner than, the, than, Purdy, May, than Purdy Mayfield and uh, uh, Rodgers. But like that Russell Wilson, Baker Mayfield, Aaron Rodgers, they stay in the pocket and throw and still comfortably maneuver. But when there is a situation when the thing totally breaks down and goes to shit, then you have to scramble, then you scramble. He just needs to be comfortable enough with himself, with the offense, with his protections, that he will set them up for success and not react to their failure in making a failure worse. Yeah, I would imagine that that would be a thing that will improve as he goes from being an 18-year-old right. to being 
you know. But that's, again, to, to illustrate my, older. my, not necessarily my fear, but like the thing, the contingency between him having a terrific season and him having an okay season is his capacity to not scramble or not bail on a play because there's some small amount of pressure. Because that was the thing. If you go back and watch games in the past or film of him playing last year, that is what he would do is he'd feel pressure and bail right now. Or he'd feel pressure and stay sort of there and just throw it to 18. Okay, well, 18's not here anymore. He's playing for the Cardinals. He's really good. He's not going to be your – you don't have an outlet like that anymore. So his ability to just, again, safely maneuver, get to where he needs to, that's the kind of thing that if he is able to successfully do that skill set, he's accurate, he's competitive, he's a good leader, he's smart, he knows where the ball's going to go. It's just can he – uh, avoid the temptation of turning a slightly disrupted pocket into a broken pocket because a broken pocket is then what you need to leave a slightly disrupted pocket again edge pressure or even if interior again interior pressure is harder but like interior pressure and say this guy gets mushed down like he pushes the pocket back but then gets mushed down by the guard then you just have to take like I guess one step back then like that kind of thing can you still stay there when it's a disrupted not broken pocket that's Purdy's biggest thing from last year to this year is being able to differentiate the two. Yeah. See, I feel like uh, I feel like Brock is like uh, he's like Baker Mayfield. If he if you took the fact that Baker Mayfield thinks everybody's always trying to screw him over and turned him into like a really nice guy, like just a like a overly nice guy. You know what I mean? Where it's like Brock's just like super nice person. But he, like, has the same humility to an extent where Brock's, like, Baker was always like, I'm not the best, you know, mm-hmm. where it's, I think that that's what he spent a lot of this summer is where it's like, all right, how do I got to get better? Yeah. You know, I had a good year. He didn't sit back and be like, man, I'm awesome. Yeah. Like, I think we've seen Iowa State quarterbacks in the past, specifically the one two years ago uh, coming into the, the fluffy hair. Yeah. Uh, they had a good end of the season or whatever and sat back and was like, man, I'm pretty good. Yeah. You know, I don't care about it. How much better do I need to get? Like, I'm better than everybody, you know? And that's problematic, but I don't think that that's how Brock is. I think he's got that. Yeah, and, and that, again, that the two things uh, that I'm looking for are, does the quarterback respect the offense? Again, comfortable in an uncomfortable pocket, and then does the offensive line create space for running backs? All right, let's talk about the running backs. There, there's a lot of oars. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I think you put them in order. There is a reason why Sheldon is listed first and Johnny is listed second. Kane is listed third. And then Brees Hall is listed fourth as an or. And then Jarrell Brock is listed again as an or. Like there's a whole lot of ors there. Um, but I would say that's the order. Remove the ors and that's the depth chart, I would think. Um, but I think that that one is very fluid, though. Yeah. But also. Because these guys do things so differently, they... Uh, it's almost like a ranking of how much Coach Campbell trusts each, each one yep. of them with the football. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I, I haven't seen... Because Brees Hall was there for spring and Jarrell Brock was not, correct? Correct. So I saw Brees Hall run and I think... Jarrell. Jarrell, sorry. And so I everything is still happening really fast for Brees Hall. Maybe by the end of the season, everything slowed down. It's a little bit more comfortable. Um, and maybe he just during the summer, during fall camp, like it's sort of just everything just, he's less reactive and more proactive. Cause again, as a running back, 
in a zone scheme or a power scheme or a gap scheme, whatever you want to call it, a zone scheme or gap scheme, whatever you want to call it, you have a tremendous amount more control over the defense than most people give themselves credit for. Because as a running back, you're doing one of two things. One, carrying the ball. Two, blocking. That's pretty much it. Like you have two things. If you are carrying the ball, what's the point of football? to advance this ball down the field, and the other team wants to stop you from doing so. So once you have it, everyone wants to get it. So you need to move them around because you know where they're going to be coming to get it. So as an offensive player, as a running back, can which one of these guys sets themselves up for success more than the others? Because there's clearly a stupid amount of talent in there. Like Johnny Lang has some of the quickest feet I've ever seen. Kanae Wangu, we all know how fast he is. Just straight end, straight top end speed from I am, I want to get from here to there. He can get there as fast as he possibly can. And Sheldon is just f solid, like across all the things. But this offensive line is not the, it's, you know, you're not looking at what the Georgia Bulldogs from a couple years ago. You're not looking at Alabama Crimson Tide offensive line. But you are, they're not awful. And you just have to make sure that the way that they're taking their steps, the way they're going about doing everything is setting themselves up to succeed and setting their linemen up to succeed. Because again, so let's say they, a lot of times they run, they'll run a zone and they run gap scheme. So gap meaning I'm going to take the guy to my left to, and then combination to a linebacker and we're going to pull somebody. Where a zone scheme is we're all just going to step to a direction and block who shows up. And then we're going to find a hole. So as in, a, in, the zone, in the zone scheme, as a running back, again, I'm still trying to take steps to a certain track because say a linebacker is responsible for a B gap. I know he's responsible for a B gap, but he's also responsible for tackling. So if I get one step past the quarterback four yards behind the offensive line, and then I make my cut, that linebacker can abandon the B gap and go directly to me to make the tackle because he's also a primary tackler. But if I deliver, if I take my steps all the way up to the offensive line, make that guy force himself into a B gap, then my guard's gonna take him, my center's gonna take the other guy, and I'm gonna cut right off of one. So if you cut too early, again, the guard hasn't done anything different between situation and situation, or situation A and situation B, you have just done a better job of setting him up for success. So I think the running backs, that's the thing that they're gonna need to be able to do um, because they are gonna have to Frankenstein what they had last year, is they're gonna have to take the power of Dave Montgomery with Sheldon Crony and the speed of Montgomery with Kanae Wangu and the quickness of him with Johnny Lang and then the physicalness of him with, you know, maybe it's Breeze Hall. Like you're going to have to take all of these different <clears throat> pieces, components of these separate guys and mix them together to make one Dave Montgomery. So um, none of them are him. None of them are Dave Montgomery. So you have to simulate, you simulate the actions and give yourself the most setup for success that you possibly can. So the running backs are, there's a lot of fluidity, a lot of oars. I think there's gonna be a lot of rotation that comes in and out until one guy finally like grabs the position by the balls. And I don't know who that's going to be. If I had to guess, I think Sheldon's going to start doing it. And I think Johnny will probably, not probably, I, my money is if I'm going to handicap this as the guy that's going to be the primary ball carrier by the time game seven is going on, I think it's going to be Johnny. But I also think that it's going to be like a 40-30-30 type split with, I would think the freshmen don't get a ton of run until maybe the end of the year. But I think between Kane, Sheldon, and Johnny, I think those guys are probably going to be the, the predominant ball carriers. 
but yeah, like 40-30-30 type with Johnny being the primary ball carrier would be my guess. But there's more for those freshmen than what you might think early in the season. By like game type, like situation. But yeah. probably like Brees Hall probably isn't going to get a ton of carries in the Iowa game. Like that's what I mean. Like games, no. games that matter. I probably. That's where you stick with Sheldon probably. Sheldon or again, or Johnny. Yeah. Or, and Kane is the thing with Kane is he's so much more comfortable in open space. Like he's a, phenomenal kick returner as good as there is in the country at, be, at being a kick returner because he's super comfortable in open space it's when things get in an elevator and that's when he starts to get a little bit he's just not as sure of himself so he's not as quick and confident to react where Sheldon is much more comfortable Sheldon and Johnny are much more comfortable in an elevator like to deal with a lot of just just shit bodies flying everywhere where Kane is much more comfortable than the other two. Like, Kane and Johnny are the ones that are much more comfortable in open space that if you, get, if you, were, to, if you were able to get Kane or Kane were able to get himself open space, then that's when it's really, really dangerous. But it, giving him 14 carries a game doesn't really make a ton of sense because, again, he is the over, he's your overhand right type. To use that metaphor again, he's your overhand right type guy. Mm-hmm. Is If you're throwing it 14 times in a fight... Eh, may not be as effective because you're telegraphing. You can see what's coming. But if it's consistently inconsistent and you're like seven carries a game and two receptions and he's just been in a package and he's on the field and distraction, all of a sudden hit him with something and he's in open space and let him go, that's when he can become more effective. So I think Kane will play a lot of snaps. He'll play a lot of diversion snaps and he'll also play a lot of like focal point, like, all right, fast guy, go be fast, that kind of thing. Yeah, I only say that about the freshman because the same guy who was telling me how good Brock Purdy was at this time last year and how good Will McDonald was at this t- at this time last year is telling me how good Brees Hall is on multiple t- occasions. Okay. Again, we'll just see. I'm not saying it's not. Yeah. I'm just saying I'm. you know me by now being like, I'm not going to believe hype till I see it. Yeah. And I think he is. He this has- guy doesn't hype people. I'll just put it that way. Well, so I'm just excited to see what he can do if he is comfortable enough. Because again, I've, I watched a couple practices, and there was a lot of the world is going really fast. He'd make a cut too soon, in anticipation of what he thinks is going to be coming, and it's not react. It's not proactive. It's reactive. So if he can switch to being proactive, then sure, yes. But if he is reactive, then it's not really that cr- that clean. All right, take a break. Be right back. Football and random things. Hey guys, it's Williams. We'll get you back to your podcast here momentarily. But it's wanted to talk to you about eye care, of course, today. And my friends at Ames and Des Moines Eye Care, they meet your whole family's vision needs. And they did that to me about a year ago where I got in and had my first eye exam since my childhood. Dr. Kruger was like, what are you doing, man? You got to come in and get your eyes checked more often. And I'm glad that I did. They found some stuff. They got me these designer glasses that I wear when I work now. When I'm creating content for you at PsychoneFanatic.com, it has decreased my headaches incredibly. Uh, It's been fantastic. I I didn't even know half the stuff that Dr. Kruger was telling me about. And I'm assuming if you're a middle-aged guy like me, you're probably in the same boat. Get in there to Ames and Des Moines Eye Care. Personalized eye care, designer eyewear. They've got same-day, same-week appointments, and they are really good people, and they help support us here at CycloneFanatic.com, the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. It's Ames and Des Moines Eye Care. 
Hey, Cyclone fans, I got a question for you. What's a game plan for your family if you were to die? Go to CycloneLifeInsurance.com. Where is that lost income going to come from to pay bills, the mortgage, your college education for your kids, or basic life expenses? Go to CycloneLifeInsurance.com and make sure a life insurance is a priority. There's no 40 to 50 page application. There's no face-to-face meeting with an agent. With just a couple clicks, you can shop, compare, and apply. Go to CycloneLifeInsurance.com and protect your family today. Welcome back to Football and Random Things. I want to remind everybody if you're looking for plans this weekend, July 25th through the 27th, uh, Guthrie River Ruckus and Guthrie Center. You can get $15 off your tickets with the promo code Cyclones at GuthrieRiverRuckus.com. All right, defensive backfield, Jeff. The defensive backfield is uh, – there's not a lot of questions. There's not a lot of – like, there's not a lot of debate for many things. No. Like, it's pretty set that those guys are going to be – I mean, the only one to be like, okay, well, Richard Bowens is going to come in for Lawrence White on 30 snaps a game or – It's like everybody, we've seen them all. Yeah. I don't Great guys worth moving to Nickelback, I guess, or to the star. Yes. But it's really not that much different than last year, I don't think. Yeah, and he's a, he's a hitter. Yeah. So he's just – he's of the safeties, he's the most physical – so if you're going to end up playing a two-shell safety, two safety look and you want to spin one of those three safeties down, he's going to be the guy that ends up spinning down, which he did last year. That's not new. He's, uh, I think, Braxton Lewis and having Lawrence White. L- Lewis and White are your probably better cover guys, and Eisworth is your I, w- I did think it was interesting hitter. to see uh, Lewis with an or next to his name. That must – well, there's a, a three ors. Yeah. I guess I'm not – I don't know anything about the uh, Justin Bickham or Tony Spears. But um, I don't know. I, I think those three guys have have done have shown that they can be good yeah. in the role that they are needed to be good with. And the 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 fun part for me, I think you guys are you guys are gonna love the corners this year between Daytron. They, they got and some swag. Anthony Johnson. Those dudes are fun. Yeah. And especially Anthony Johnson. Like I, we've talked about it before, but like. Anthony Johnson's probably going to play in the league. If he stays healthy and continues to develop as he needs to, like, that dude is a true sophomore. I'll also say, we talked to them in the spring. <clears throat> they got a lot of Florida in them. And I imagine that you know what that means, having been around a lot of guys from Florida. Uh, they're, not <clears throat> they're not short of confidence. They are not short of confidence, and I don't <laughs> think that they are short of telling you about how much confidence they have either. Which I honestly, like, of all the positions on the field – the one that you, I'm actually okay with having that guy be is at a cornerback position because it's very one-on-one. Like if you have a, a, a confidence, if you're low on confidence, and granted, you can be confident without being cocky. That's totally like you They're can like Patrick be. Beverly. That's, that's a, again, like a, I don't love that. Like Patrick a, Beverly guarding Kevin Durant. Like when a linebacker has that, I'm like, dude. You probably, you, I'm gonna send one of my guards at you. Like, you you can you can do as much as you like as much talking as you want, but there's way more stuff that happens in relation to your your position being successful than just you. Where uh, you can't say like I did this as a linebacker because it's a whole lot that happened to allow you to do this. Where a corner is so much more one on one. I covered you. Period. That's it. I covered you like that, that, so that kind of like swag confidence of any position on the field, like maybe your wide receiver, but your wide receiver has to get the ball thrown to him. 
where a corner is I'm playing man-to-man -man coverage or I'm playing like a one, like a pretty a, a pretty solo zone coverage that I think I'm not I'm not going to let you get open. That type of confidence and just like yeah, like I said, like that ballsiness. And then they're also skilled between Young and Johnson. Like they those guys can play the ball. It's actually crazy to hear like really good cornerbacks talk about defensive back play. There's a video that was going around on Twitter of, of uh, Xavier Rhodes mm -hmm. where he was watching, uh, who's like with Ron Jaworski and... And Baldinger. Yeah. Yeah, Brian Baldinger. Yeah, yep. and they're sitting there and he's talking about I actually guarding Deshaun... Or, I actually watched that whole video. Yeah. yeah. Where he's like talking about guarding Deshaun Jackson and he knew, or maybe it was Mike Evans. I can't remember which one of them. It was Mike Evans. Yeah. Th I think there was two different clips. One was Mike Evans and one was Deshaun Jackson. And he talked about being able to see that... Mike Evans is counting his steps, so he knew what he was going to do mm -hmm. because of the way that he released off the line. Yeah. And it's like, damn, okay. So that's how, like, someone like that's at a different level from yeah. other guys. Where he's he's reacting to what the guy's doing, but he's also noticing exactly the way he's taking his first step to be like, oh, I know exactly what you're going to do already. Yeah, and, like... That also shows how much film he has to watch of these people, right. how much studying he does of guys. And that's the kind of thing, like... And one of the other things he talked about is how he knows that, like... And this is, again, I think instinctively, someone like Anthony Johnson can feel it. It was just cool to have Xavier Rhodes articulate it. Yeah. Because I think, how do you know when someone's going to do a deep comeback, like an 18-yard comeback, which is a really hard route to stop? Because as a corner, I'm in full gate. I'm running full speed. Right. And so that was the one he was talking about, Deshaun Jackson. He's like, I know Deshaun, he was going to fall off on his route or break on his route because... That I was the Mike Evans one. The Deshaun Jackson one, he's like, I knew Deshaun Jackson was going deep because he was just running straight. But yes, with, yeah, that, yeah. that's the point. It's like, yeah. is he was... He's like, I'm not as fast as Sean Jackson, and I know that he was – I could feel him turn the acceleration on. Yeah. And I know that I had to, at that point, turn the acceleration on. But if – he goes, I know Deshaun Jackson's faster than me, and I'm keeping step with step with him, that means he's – that this is sort of the thing with Mike Evans. Like, I know he's fast, but I'm keeping easily step for step with him, meaning he's metering his steps, meaning he's yeah. counting his steps, meaning I'm going to – at some point, he's going to stop. Yeah. So I have to be ready for him to stop. And so that type of thing, where, like... And that's where it's like with the Jackson one, he's like, I know how fast Deshaun Jackson is. He's like, I know he's fast, but he also can't stop on a dime from absolute 100% full speed yeah. the way that he's doing it. He's like, he's, the only thing he could be doing is possibly running a fly. He's right. like, that's the only route that he could run and in And that's situation. when he was okay with yeah. fully opening up yeah. and running with him. And so that, like, with... Uh, Johnson, he has that intuitive feel. Yeah. I don't, he may not articulate it like that, but when you watch him play, he has the sense to sit when he needs to sit and run when he needs to run. And he's long. He's six foot 186, but his, his wingspan's probably 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, so he's, he's long, he's athletic, he's strong. Uh, Daytron Young is shorter. Speedy, that's what they call him. And he's physical. Like, he's, again, he's little. He's 5'9", 170, or 175. But he's physical, and he's fast as shit so I, I don't know that's why they call him speedy you guys are like I say you cyclone fans you guys are going to enjoy watching the corners play because I and I honestly think by the end of the year um Johnson is going to be your your Leonard Johnson lockdown guy where it's okay where's your best receiver follow him like 26 go get him uh -huh. you you know I don't know who the the number one receivers in the conference are this year but Tylen Wallace CeeDee Lamb Oh, C.D. Lamb's still here. So, yeah, C.D. Lamb. Like, number two, 26, follow number two. Just go sit on him. Doesn't matter where he's going. Sit on him. Like, that kind of... Who does Texas have? Colin Johnson? Okay. 
Is he back? Did he leave? Or did he go? No, we LJ we, did. we got uh, Lil Jordan. Lil Jordan's gone. LJ did. Yeah. But uh, Lil Jordan. Lil Jordan Humphrey. But uh, no, I like I said, corners going to be really fun. I think the safeties are just solid. Who's going who's gonna cover for uh, Iowa? <laughs> Um, this that, this is a segment that's gonna get played on like Hawkeye stuff, as despite the fact that generally speaking, <laughs> yeah, when when Anthony Johnson gets burnt three times in like the first five minutes of the game, they're gonna be like, hey, remember when Stansbury was shitting all over Iowa's receivers? But I, there's not like, can you name one? No. This stuff. Uh, what was his name? Smith Marset? Is he uh, still there? I don't know. I don't know. He I was, know oh, Easley's he's, gone. He's okay. Smith Marset, okay. By the end of the year, he was a fine receiver. He did uh, catch a game-winning touchdown against the Cyclones. Yeah, but I mean, as a receiver, he's fine. Oh yeah. He's he's not. When you're well, shut up, Bill Simmons. When it's C.D. Lamb is your comparison. Well, yeah, fair. <laughs> yeah. Or Colin that's, Johnson that's is your good comparison. Point. Like those guys are gonna be top two-round draft picks. Like. Tylen Wallace yeah. from Oklahoma State. Like another stud. Fine. They're fine. He's a fine player. He's, he's going to make some good plays. I don't think that's the matchup that we need to be but worried it's about. It's not going to be a guy. Yeah. It's it, Johnson's not going to have to shadow somebody because Daytron Young would do an admirable job on Smith Marset. Probably not. Like I said, probably not the matchup, the make or break matchup of that game either. Yeah. So. Which again, Oklahoma. It, that that one is CD a little Lamb, more important. Like you yeah. need to cover CD Lamb yeah. because he can change a game. Well, you probably need to cover everybody. But yeah, but you know what I mean. Like yeah. you need to have. Yeah. No, very hard to single cover, but Johnson's going to be that guy by the end of the year. My my guess is to be able to be a shutdown, lockdown corner as a true sophomore. It'll be interesting to see those guys together too. I mean, you lose. See, that's the thing. It's like you lose Brian Peavy, but we've seen enough of those guys that you, how like I'm not even that no. concerned. Do you know? No, you lose Peavy, um, which is going to be. I think the step between. I love me some Peavy. I think the step between Peavy and Young is not that big. It will be noticeable because the thing that Peavy did so well is you didn't notice Brian Peavy. Yeah. That's the thing that he did so well is because he was in the right spot so many times that no one bothered throwing his way, not because he was like locked down. Like he was really good. He was, de- he was locked down as much as he needed to be locked down. But like one-on-one matchups, he would every once in a while lose because he was, you know, shorter than somebody or, you, you know, some guy just got position on him. Yeah. But it was because, like, let's say if they're playing a zone, he was just so good at reading and sitting and adjusting and flowing with a zone that he needed to that the, the, the quarterback would eventually read off of his guys just because he wasn't, it wasn't there. My favorite Brian PV play of all time was his, his interception against TCU when it uh, should have been a touchdown. Like, that receiver was – absolutely wide open against they had to have been playing zone I don't know what they're doing and he just threw the ball straight to PV and it's like it's almost like PV standing there like what are you doing like damn I, sh- I, I got beat what are you now doing? I have the football why did this happen yeah and then he got ran down by uh I think it was maybe Jalen Rager I can't remember exactly who it was oh there's another one. <laughs> oh, Jalen Rager cool. yeah yeah he's pretty good too but yeah I, I the the secondary again I I think this defense, to reiterate the point from last week and earlier in the episode, like, I think this defense, I have very little question the defense is going to be good. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any one specific issue that this defense has. Um, and there's not, like, one specific guy. Okay, I mean, there's some – on the defensive line, I think you can make a better case for it. But in the secondary and in the linebacking core, there's not one specific guy that it's like, if this guy gets dinged up, 
Yeah, if you, you know, know if any we're, is, we're really screwed. Like last year, any yeah. pulls his groin or his hamstring for four or five weeks, we're effed. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, if he, someone, because it's going to happen. Like, I don't know who it's going to happen to, but there's no football team in the history of football that's made it through 12 games with all 12 guys starting every single game. I can Maybe. promise it won't be Chan the Pulvermacher. That guy won't get hurt. <laughs> Pulvermacher. Until the quarterback decides to, to, to up and under him. Yeah. As the guard lets him through, and then he gets a, a Charlie horse. He's a guy who could be like I, – I imagine him trying to go back out on the field like with his bone sticking out of his leg. He's like, Coach, I'm going back in. Pulvermacher, you're out. <laughs> but no, I, so there's no, really no – especially the other thing – It's um, raining really hard. Wow. It's raining. It's rain? It's, are you, yeah. What else would that be? I don't know. Um, but the other thing with uh, – this secondary that's really cool is our defensive line is going to be creating pressure uh-huh. that they're not going to need to sit for six, seven seconds in coverage. Right. Is you have guys, you have Bailey, you have Wazarike, you have Will McDonald that's probably going to be bringing a pretty good amount of pressure. You have Ray Lima or Jamal Johnson. You have guys that are going to be bringing pressure that the quarterback's only going to have, you know, that, that true average, I think the average three-step drop is three and a half seconds to get rid of the ball, or five-step drop, excuse me, is three and a half seconds to get rid of the ball. That five-step drop, they're going to have only three and a half seconds. They're not going to have to cover for, you know, that where we've seen in years past with Iowa State's less than perfect defensive lines. Mm-hmm. I've got this and this and this and this and this, and all of a sudden there's seven seconds that you have to cover for. Okay, we got to wrap this up. That'll be on the radio. Go get him, Tiger. Next time we talk, we'll, uh, it'll be time to talk some real football, all right? Thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you. Talk J- to you soon. Jared. Thanks to, for, to, for listening, everybody. All right, bye.